0: Are you a man who keeps returning to porn or other unwanted sexual behaviors when what you really want is to be free? If so, we can help. Hi, my name is Jonathan, the founder of Gateway to Freedom. This three-day workshop is for men who want to overcome any kind of sexual struggle or stronghold. Whether you're married, single, or divorced, this powerful, intensive weekend will help you uncover what is at the root of your struggle and discover the man God always created you to be. Our next workshop is coming up February 21st through the 23rd in Florida, just outside Orlando. Space is limited, so call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY to register. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit BeBroken.com. Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're glad that you've decided to join us. I've got a, a good friend back on the line with us. We've uh, we've got Mark Dennison with us out of Florida. So, Mark, how are you doing today?
1: Doing great, Jonathan. How are you in Texas?
0: Doing good. So, awesome. so listeners, we've had, for those of you who are new, we've had Mark and his wife, Beth, on a few times. Um, and they've got a great ministry there in Florida uh, called There's Still Hope. We'll, we'll get a little bit more information about that from, from Mark later um but i wanted to have mark on today because um mark you've written a new book uh and and it's jesus and the 12 steps right yes and so um i'd love for us to to dive into that because um you know to be honest with you i think in the in the church environment especially um those are two phrases or two words that don't always go together and, and I'd love for us to kind of dig into that, unpack that, and hopefully our listeners can begin to gain a new understanding of, of uh, maybe of a fuller vision of what recovery can really look like when somebody has a stronghold in their life. Um, because, you know, obviously we do want to come from that biblical worldview, and yet there are things that are not contradictory with the 12 steps, right? So, so first of all, tell us... What was the inspiration, or what was the thinking behind writing this particular book?
1: Well, a great question. For me, it's the merging of both parts of my story. Uh, Part A, I came to Christ when I was 14, was called to ministry at 15, was a pastor for 30 years, an active sex addict during uh, that time, most of that time, Uh, but uh, found recovery through the 12 steps and so in early recovery i'm going to church i'm pastoring i'm also going to 12 steps and it felt like they were two completely different worlds and the more that i have continued in my personal recovery which includes 12-step work to this day for six years i've attended two 12-step meetings every week i've worked the steps i have a sponsor i sponsor other guys and so that's a huge part of my life but also coming from a biblical background and a church background Uh, with several degrees in theology. Um, I also have the Bible in one hand and 12 steps in the other. And so for me, I began to ask the question, is it possible that the millions of Christians that are filling 300,000 churches every Sunday and the millions of people attending 12-step groups are really looking for the same thing? Mm. And is it possible that they can have the same answer without having to choose one or the other? And so for me, that took me back to the New Testament, diving into the stories, the encounters of Christ. And as I began to read it with a new light on it, it began to just, the light came on for me that each of the 12 steps, not only do they have a biblical foundation, which we can certainly talk about, but you can find each one of them tied to various aspects, encounters and the actual ministry of Christ. And so that was the genesis of this. I just went in with the question, what if, the 12 steps really have a biblical foundation in reality, not just based on the background of those who wrote them in the first place.
0: Yeah. So we're not going to have, obviously, in, in a short little podcast like this, we're not going to have time to to fully unpack, you know, sure. all of all of them. But for the sake of maybe some of our listeners who simply just do not know what are the 12 steps, can you tell us what the 12 steps are Sure. Um, just so that we can have some kind of starting place where it's because I don't want to assume because when people hear 12 steps, um, I would say that probably most people may only know the first step, Yeah. right? So yeah. Can, you, can you share with us what the 12 steps are so we all have at least a, a, a little bit of an understanding of what we're talking about when we say 12 steps?
1: Sure. And this, this all comes from uh, originally AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, with the founders, Bill Wilson and Bob Smith. And for them, it came from the Oxford Movement, which was an evangelical movement back in the uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, 1939. And then many years later, adopting those 12 steps became some sex-oriented or sex recovery groups, Sexaholics Anonymous, Sex Addicts Anonymous being the two most uh, familiar to most of us. And so the 12 steps are slightly different depending on which group you're looking at. I'm holding my hand the book that I wrote, Jesus and the 12 Steps, and I've listed the 12 steps in the book based on the different groups. Um, so step one, we admitted, I'm not, I'm not going to read them. I'll just give you the, the summation of it. We admit that we have a problem. Step two is that we came to believe that there's a power greater than us that can restore us to sanity. The third step says that we basically made a decision to turn our life and our will over the care of God as we understood God. And then that shifts to step four, which is more difficult step for most people in recovery. Or we make a searching uh very detailed inventory of our personal um defects, character defects. Step five, we admit those defects to God and at least one other human being. Step six, we become entirely ready for God to remove those defects. Step seven, we ask God to remove those defects. In step eight, we make a list of people to whom we're willing to make amends. In step nine, we actually go and we make those amends. In step 10, we continue to make a daily spiritual inventory of where we are with our higher power with Christ. In step 11, through prayer and meditation, we continue to maintain our conscious contact with God. And then step 12 says, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we now go and we help others. Mm -hmm. And so working through those, it became obvious to me that even unintentionally, that's what a lot of Christians do, And that's what we do in recovery, whether we do it in that formal way or not.
0: Yeah. And so, so I guess one of the questions that I have, especially as a Christian, is what do you think happened to separate these steps from some kind of biblical worldview? Sure. Because when you just read them off right there, I mean, obviously, I'm going, I look at the world through a Christian worldview, I have a biblical worldview. I don't see anything that goes, oh, man, that's a completely secular. I mean, I think some people trip up on the third step, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because of the idea of God as you understand him. And yes. and, and yet, I don't even think that has always necessarily been, been interpreted accurately in terms of the way that it was intended, right? Yes. Um, yes. Because I think of it, and I don't want to get too far off on a tangent here because I want to hear your answer. I think of it sometimes as like, listen, when you come in, with an addiction of any kind, would you say that your perspective, your cognitive abilities, your quote-unquote understanding is very, very skewed?
1: Sure. Absolutely. And so in some ways,
0: it's like we got to start with what can we understand? Like we're not going to have a fully orbed, you know, mature understanding of God at that moment. Sure. We've got to come with the little seed that we have and start from there. So, but, but why do you think there's been this separation over well, it's, 100 years?
1: Yeah, it's inter- that's a really interesting question. Um, I think it's because of two words, higher power. Even though the founders of AA had a strong Christian dynamic in their lives, as the program was never designed to be denominationally driven or religion driven per se, although it makes it very clear that there must be a faith in God, to be somewhat inclusive, the language of higher power is used and a lot of believers find offense at that. Uh, I don't any more than I'm offended by a dentist who may not say he's a Christian even though he is. And so higher power will trip some people up. Uh, it's, it's not an issue for me. If you go to most 12 step groups, which I went to a lot of groups outside of the, the sex arena because I have a master's degree in addiction recovery through Liberty University. As a part of that, I was actually required to go to certain other groups. So I've been to AA meetings, for example, and in all of these groups, they, uh, they, they recite the Lord's Prayer together, uh, which obviously is right out of Scripture. And so there's a strong Christian dynamic. But I think where people struggle, in the way you indicated, is because of the word higher power as opposed to Christ. And that's what gave birth to a group like Celebrate Recovery uh, that is obviously very Christ-centered. The difference between them and traditional 12-step groups, and I cover them in my book, is that their focus is on hurts, habits, and hang-ups, which doesn't mean exclusively addiction, whereas 12-step groups are focused exclusively on addiction. But I will tell you, from having been in over 600 meetings at this point in my own journey, that I find a really high, really high percentage of people in 12-step groups are Christ followers And part of that is because they come out of desperation. Yeah. And that desperation takes them in a search for God. Also, a lot of Christian counseling centers send people to the secular, so-called secular 12-step groups. I think the short answer is the emphasis on higher power as opposed to Christ, per se. But within the groups, you're very open and free to share who your higher power is. It doesn't take long before people in my groups know where I stand and where I know where they stand.
0: Well, you know what I find interesting as you're saying that, I'm thinking, isn't it interesting that when Jesus came and when Jesus began his ministry, um, he was not found where the quote-unquote church would have expected him to be found. Right. Right? (laughs) He was with prostitutes and tax collectors. And so the religious elites were saying, well, no, the, the Messiah couldn't be in that location or in that environment and maybe that's the modern day 12 step group is that to those who are maybe considering themselves the religious elite they could not imagine that Jesus could be found in a group that is talking about a higher power in a sure. group you know and so and i don't want to draw that parallel too too far out but it's like you know hey i've i've also met plenty of people that they were not even believers when they started a 12 step group and they actually found right. christ Yes. in a 12-step group. So it's not just Christians that are desperate that then are just going saying, I need help wherever I can get it, and they go to a 12-step group. There are also unbelievers that find Jesus Christ in a 12-step group. It um, happens
1: all the time. You know, it's one of the things I enjoy about such a ministry opportunity just to be in that so-called secular group for myself is to connect with non-believers, And we've seen a lot of them through the group who seek me out because of my faith. And as we go through the discussion, a who higher power is for me and the guys I sponsor, obviously, I make that very clear. Then many times we end up working with them through our ministry. I've had several that have come into the church where my wife and I attend. Uh, had a guy that was baptized there not long ago, came to faith in Christ as a result of the 12 steps and then our ministry. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very natural uh, transition. So
0: Jesus and the 12 steps. Uh, who 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 do you believe is going to benefit most from what you've written in this book? And maybe take us through a little bit of what your, what your hope is with sure. this book as it pertains to recovery in people's lives.
1: I think one person that will benefit a lot is a skeptic. And by that, I mean the Christian skeptic or the non-Christian, but especially the Christian who says, wait a minute, I'm not sure about 12 steps. I've heard about this. Uh, other people do that. But in our church, we have a little Bible study. We talk about hurts, or we talk about addiction a little bit. But um, to, to really put that in a biblical light, as opposed to just go repent of your sin and God's going to take care of you, uh, I had to make the case. And as a former pastor, a case for pastors, I'm sharing this with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors. As I speak to men, I give this book away at Christian men events and especially to pastors, for them to understand it's not an either or. And so I take 12 very specific encounters of Christ that are just almost as though they were written for the 12 steps. I mean, it is just eerie how much you don't have to force it. You don't have to manipulate the scripture to say this exact event is precisely what a man goes through when he goes through the sixth step or through the eighth step. And so it's a wide audience, but really the Christian audience is wondering, show me a biblical basis for why 12 Steps work and that it's not going to be a contradiction to my faith.
0: So as you were, as you were researching and as you were writing this book, what would you say was maybe um, something that surprised you along the way as you were writing this in terms of being able to see some of these connections?
1: Boy, what surprised me was that, I didn't have to research it very hard. Um, I kind of went into it again as a guy who was a pastor for 30 years. It's not uncommon. It's not right, but it's not uncommon for a pastor to say, okay, this is the message I want to preach. This is the the, the, the theme. I want to get across. This is what I want them to do. Now let me go scurry to the scripture and find something that kind of backs this up.
0: Yeah. Like proof texting, right? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, I, I was good at that. And so I went into this thinking, Maybe this kind of fits scripture. So let me kind of go to the scripture. No one's ever done this before. See if I can find support for the 12 steps or at least not contradiction. And so what happened was, I, I, I pared it down immediately to about 30 encounters of Christ. And I had to say, okay, which of these am I not going to use? Because every one of them ties to one of these steps or more than one of these steps. And so the difficulty was saying, all right, as I get into, um, step eight, for example, where I'm going to make amends, who have I hurt? I immediately start thinking about the apostle Paul and the amends that he made uh, to Jews. I, I think of Peter and denying Christ and his living amends. We have direct amends, living amends, indirect amends. I think of Zacchaeus who said, I'm going to take those that I've hurt and I'm going to pay them back yeah, by a multiplicity of the way i've I've taken from them, and so you find all of these examples of step four when you have so many examples of character defects and making an accounting of those defects so uh it was so easy the difficulty was what do I not include mm-hmm.
0: now, as you are going through this have have you have there been some some uh either sponsees, or have there have been some people that you've been kind of walking this through with them? I mean, who's been part of your, uh, you know, your tribe or your sounding board? Or what does this look like for you as you Because you talk about you're still, you know, in a process of personal recovery, we're always in growth mode, right? Sure. So as you've been continuing in these 12 step groups, are there some men that you've been able to also kind of walk this through with? And what does that look like?
1: Yeah, it's been it's been exciting in the in the for, formative process of the book. I did that with believers and non-believers, and then I, I picked out a group of guys that I've worked with professionally as well as men in one of my twelve-step groups, and said, "Hey, you mind if I bounce this off of you? I don't know a lot about your faith, but I wonder what you think about this." And so I bounce this off atheists, Jews, Catholics, Protestants, uh, new believers, seasoned believers, and it's been kind of exciting because each of them, has looked, they've all looked at this and said, Man, I find myself in your book. I find myself in that manuscript. That's me that you're talking about. I identify with that. Some of them didn't know the stories of the New Testament, didn't know the paralytic and how this guy, when he was my example for step six, who was sick for 38 years, who had to be entirely ready before he could be well. And Jesus came to him in John chapter five and verse six, and he said, you want to be well. And that was step six. Are you ready? It's been 38 years, but are you entirely ready for me to do for you what you cannot do for yourself? Uh, one man that, I, that I'm friends with 93 years of age, did not find recovery until he was 91. Wow. And so he found himself in this. We've had a rich discussion about this as well. So it's been very widespread and it's, it's been very exhilarating to see that God was already speaking in some of these guys' hearts. And I could hear their stories, which kind of fed my story and fed the research that went into the project.
0: Now, obviously, um, while the 12 steps um, uh, apply to an individual, they are often executed in a group. Right. Right? So, I mean, community is essential to the 12-step process or just even the recovery process in general. Sure. So how – how would you expect someone to engage what you've written here? Because sometimes people look at books and they want to take a book and like, I want to do this on my own. Can for one question is could it be read by an individual and applied, and what would it look like in a group? And and what would be your sort of sweet spot of how you would like people to use this resource as part of their recovery?
1: I, you nailed both of them. You know, individually, I would like to see men who are new in their faith. And this is an introduction to Christ for them and what he does for the person in recovery. Uh, also for the non-believer, who this can be a bridge for him to see that the recovery that I'm finding really does have biblical roots. And I would love to see men's groups pick it up. I spoke to a group in Texas not long ago, and uh, there were a bunch of guys there, and and I shared the book with them. And, Several of them are meeting now, and they're discussing it, not in a formal way yet. But I think it'd be a super way to do that. Uh, be a good study guide. Be a good way to apply the 12 steps in the Christian environment. So, yeah, I think both in.
0: Well, and I think there's also just a you, – you mentioned earlier in our talk here about just, uh, you know, sometimes the the skeptic, right? Yes, yes. And And it could also probably just be an educational piece for those who have – maybe a very limited understanding of what the 12 steps really are. And then certainly maybe a limited understanding of how that's actually connected to the gospel of Jesus and, and how these things don't have to be disconnected or or be contrary to one another. Um, I do have one question because uh, one other question, um, because I think sometimes the reason that some Christians have difficulty putting Jesus and the 12 steps together is because sometimes uh, it's easy for us to say, okay, well, wait a second. The gospel of Jesus is all about the grace of God. And then sometimes we can look at something like the 12 steps and say, isn't that really about performance? Isn't that really about, like, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do this? How would you help somebody who might struggle with that to reconcile this, the grace of Jesus, with the perceived? you know, rigidity of performance in the 12 step.
1: The way I would do that is with step six and talking about coming to that point of surrender, admitting my faults to someone. Step three, I made a decision to turn my life and will over to the care of God as I understood Him. Uh, surrender, surrender, surrender. Uh, seven of the 12 steps make a spiritual reference just within their actual language. And so there's no contradiction. Uh, the need to surrender to God. It's not about works. Uh, it's, it's the idea of praying while you work and working while you pray that, uh, the book of James faith without works is dead. And so the Genesis of the 12 steps is always step one. And so I use from Mark chapter five, the story of Legion possessed by a thousand demons. If ever there was a man whose life was unmanageable out of control, it was this guy. I mean, the guys in the graveyards at night, no one could control him. He couldn't control himself. And he had to come to a point of recognizing that. And when he met Christ, then obviously his world changed. And so it's important for guys to understand that while you need to work to maintain your sobriety, you don't work to maintain your salvation. And that all emanates from total surrender to God. Within the 12 steps, and I emphasize this in the book and in everything that that we do in our ministry, uh, the third step prayer and the seven step prayer, which are both prayers of surrender, they're not steps or, or prayers of action. And I pray those prayers every day myself, that God, I offer myself to you to build with me and do with me as you will, take away my difficulties, that victory over them would bear witness to those I would seek to help. And so by praying that in step seven, that the prayer is my creator, uh, that I submit my everything to you, both good and bad, that you might use me to help others. So those prayers of surrender are basically saying, it's not dependent on my working out sobriety, it's God working sobriety within me, I have to do certain things, but it it is a gift from God. It's all about surrender. Uh, For me, the the basis of recovery, especially early on, is rooted in that surrender that uh, we have to say to God, yes, I'm ready to be well, Now, I need you to do for me what I could not do myself.
0: Yeah, and you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, it it makes me think of the old uh, Dallas Willard quote where he says, you know, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning.
1: Yes. And
0: so the idea is, there is, you know, one of the things we teach in our ministry, too, is we don't, we don't lie to a guy and say, oh, listen, there's, there's no hard work involved right. in recovery. Right. Um, and, but what I do tell guys is I say, actually, the hardest work is not not acting out. Yes. The hardest work is surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. <laughs> yes. It's like, if you think about it, when people talk about grace, you know, the grace and message of Jesus, they talk about it as if it's something super easy to receive. Right. right. When in fact, if you think about the, what it requires of us to say, I do surrender, I lay down my life, I receive. We think it's easy to receive grace until you try it, right? And then yeah. you realize how easily your pride comes up or your own will. You're saying, I, I've got to have something that I can present to God that he looks at me and says, you're impressive. Instead yeah. of just going, I only yeah. come, all I bring is my sin. All I bring is my brokenness. And that's much harder than people realize to surrender to the grace of Jesus.
1: Yeah, in the book, I, in, in um, step three, made a decision to turn my life and will over to God. I shared the little story that there were four frogs sitting on a log. Three decided to jump off. How many remain on the log? The answer is four. Deciding and jumping are not the same thing. That's good. Yeah. later in the steps when we actually jump and your own book, Grace-based Recovery emphasizes grace better than anything I've ever, ever read that ties recovery to grace. It's fantastic. And, And so making that decision to rely on grace, that's not hard. It's actually doing it. You know, it's that jump that says, I'm not in control God is, it would be a lot easier if I could just check off step one, two, three, and four and be there. But to know that, I, and that's why step 11 is so important to maintain that constant contact with God. Because the second that I take control of my own recovery, I lose my own recovery. I say in the book that no, no matter how many of the steps you work through and how far you've gone down that road of recovery, the ditch is still just as close on either side of the road. Yeah. And so I've got to keep working the steps, but I also have to recognize that God is the one that makes it work.
0: And what's beautiful, I think, Mark, is is the guys who really begin to engage what I call true recovery, like like the 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 work of recovery that actually produces joy. It brings freedom. It uh, it like lifts your spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I think there is a um, there's a point I think at which you reach where you go, oh, there, this is good. <laughs> Like, it's not all about work and drudgery and, like, I've got to check this box or whatever. You actually, there's life, I think, that comes. That's the difference
1: between sobriety and recovery. Yeah. You know, I also say in my book, as they say in AA material, sober is not well. Uh, Sober means I've quit stuff. Well, that's not fun. You know, just to quit stuff that's been addiction was my best friend. You know, I could rely on my addiction. I did for years. Always knew it was there when I needed it. But so sober, sobriety, giving up stuff, doing the work of that is not the fun part. You nailed it. It's the recovery part. It's what I begin to do in its place. And that's where the joy of walking in freedom comes in that is not based on I quit this, I quit this, I quit that. It's a total life of surrender every day. And that freedom that leads me from just being sober and collecting chips to a life of recovery is what the Christian life is all about
0: and and what i'm what i'm hearing from you and what i think really comes together really well even in just the title of your book Jesus and the 12 steps is you is there's this beautiful combination of of the process to the actual power yeah. of life that comes through yeah. Jesus Christ so wow. as we as we wrap up here mark what's some just some final words that you would want to say to those out there who are at any place along this spectrum of recovery? And then how can uh, people get the book and learn more about the resources that you guys can offer through your ministry?
1: Well, I would encourage guys, engage the steps, but also engage Christ. If you try to work the steps apart from the true higher power, then you're going to be frustrated. Uh, When in recovery, when you seek answers, you get frustrated. But when you seek God, the answers find you. Uh, would love for you to reach out to our ministry. There's still hope. .org. Uh, Through that, we have um, other books we've written, resources. I work with men through a 90-day recovery process based on my 90-day recovery guide that I wrote last year. That's a great resource for guys that want to know how do I really find recovery? How do I maintain that? My wife works with spouses of um, men that are in recovery. She has a group of women. In fact, one starts uh, the day that we're actually recording this podcast but uh, on our website, they'restillhope.org, you can find those through Beth and, and the ministry that she does, which is just fantastic. So as for the book, Jesus and the 12 Steps, uh, I'll make a pitch. It's $15, but if anyone contacts us through this ministry, it will be $14.99. No, we will. Uh, 10 bucks, <laughs> And um, we'll do $10 too for 20 So if anybody would like to have it, We'll cover the, the shipping any place uh, for $10. Just contact us through theirstillhope.org, And I would love to talk to you guys as well. As well. My cell number is there. We talk to you guys all the time. This is what we do. Yeah, Jonathan, thanks for your help for our ministry from the very beginning. You've been our biggest supporter and encourager, and we're so grateful for what you're doing, how you help us and, and countless others that are on the same team.
0: Yeah, well, we love, uh, we like to say around here, we're better together. So, you know, we none of us can do this stuff alone. And so we really appreciate what you're doing. We'll make sure that all of that information is in our show notes. Right. Uh, but listeners, definitely reach out to Mark and Beth and what they're offering. And we're always grateful for you as our listeners. And um, you can reach out to us at puresexradio.com or follow us on Twitter at puresexradio. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the broadcast. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.